Welcome to the Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition. I'm your host, Daniel Gable, and today we are speaking with Ari Goerlin, who was COO and now is Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Auto Lead Star. Welcome, and it is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. So can you please share with me and the audience your brief story of how you got where you are today? So I was born and bred in the States, as you could probably hear originally from Silver Spring, Maryland, which is a suburb of Washington, D.C. I came to Israel for the first time for a gap year, uh, post-high school, pre-college. During that year, both fell in love with a woman as well as with the country. So it's hard for me to disconnect those two as to how I ended up in Israel, both romance as well as Zionism. I went back to the States. I studied uh, at Columbia College. I got a degree in history and then moved to Israel made Aliyah right after my graduation. And I've been in Israel ever since. That was 26 years ago in 1994. And I've kind of had, I would say, two careers in that for the first bunch of years, I was in more of a corporate finance role. I was working at a place called Jerusalem Global where I raised capital for high-tech startups from venture capital funds. In the last 15 years or so, I've been in sales management roles, first in a larger company and the last couple of years in a smaller startup. Can you tell us a little bit about what Auto Lead Start is and what it does? Sure. Auto Lead Start is a software company, first of all, probably familiar with the term SaaS, software as a service. And basically, using machine learning and artificial intelligence, Auto Lead Start provides car dealerships in the U.S. with technology that allows them to manage their own advertising. Until recently, it was all done through traditional marketing agencies using uh, very sophisticated ad tech, we're able to provide this tool directly to the car dealerships so they could A, save money, and B, be able to manage their own spends in a much more efficient way. Because you're in Israel, do you have to flip your schedule because your company's in America, or does that look so, like? Relatively popular in terms of the R&D versus sales and marketing model you have. The company was founded and its headquarters are still in Israel. And majority of employees sit in Israel. And that's where the research and development is and some of the management. And in the States, that's our market. And that's where we have sales and marketing and customer success people on the ground. So it's pretty customary to have that split between the development side and the sales side. I've gotten used to it over the years. I work for the most part Israel hours, but certainly there have been stretches where I work many, many hours into the evening. A lot of Israelis working in startups end up working very long days. If you're working with the U.S. market, sometimes they'll start a little bit later. We do, in fact, have people based in Israel that work actual U.S. hours. They don't even come to the office or don't even start working now until 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So it's oh. a bit of a hybrid. The rise of the pandemic, a lot of businesses had to change. How is your business affected or has it grown since this has happened? In some ways, it's changed dramatically. In other ways, in ways not. First of all, being a high-tech startup company, everyone working on laptops, to go remote overnight was really not a big challenge as it mm -hmm. was for some companies. But in general, if you look at the space that we're in, we're in the car dealership space in the U.S. So obviously, within a few weeks of the pandemic hitting in the States, everything got shut down. So if you can't go to a dealership, you can't buy a car. And if people aren't buying cars, then the dealerships aren't going to want to spend money on their advertising or to draw people into their dealerships. So it was a massive slap in the face as things got started. But very quickly, everyone realized that this is going to be a short-term thing. And there are actually midterm and long-term benefits to us and this industry. 
specifically that is because of the way the pandemic has played out and people don't want to be in close proximity to other people. So there's been obviously a huge drop in shared car services with Uber and Lyft, et cetera, as well as in public transportation. So actually more people than ever are expected to be buying their own cars, both new and used over the year, next year or two. So that's one point. The second point is that as the economy is shrinking, these car dealerships who have always been cost efficient or even more cost efficient than what our tool allows and our technology allows is the ability for the car dealership to be more efficient. So the, the business has actually not been hit that bad. We're actually in a similar space as to where we were before the pandemic hit. And we expect to actually continue growing and growing nicely afterwards. So I can imagine along your journey, it's been a difficult one to get where you are today, very successful. So can you name a teaching moment, whether it was a failure or a success that you had that helped you down the line? I guess it started out as a perceived failure. And in the end, I think it was a success. But back in my time at Jerusalem Global, when I was doing fundraising for startup companies, it was obviously very, very pressure packed as, as things are today as well. And I remember doing a financing round for a startup company and we were having challenge raising the funds. And I went to some angel investors and I was working with them. And in the end, the company wasn't successful, which as a a betting man, most startup companies are not going to be successful, but we raised money from this one investor. And I thought all along that he was upset with me and upset with our company because we had brought in the deal and the deal didn't end up being successful. And years later, my parents made Aliyah and my father bumped into this angel investor and he calls me that night and he says, Ari bumped into Mr. So-and-so. I said, uh-oh, what do you have to say about me? And I was like all nervous that years later, I was harboring the, the fear that this guy was so upset with me and with us. And I, so he said, no, no, he said great things about you. He said, you are a total stand-up mensch. You are just a really good guy and you are honest. And the fact that the company wasn't successful is no big deal. He's a big boy. He realizes that sometimes you succeed in investments and sometimes you fail but he really, really appreciated the way that you and the firm were so stand up to him. And it was literally 10 years later and all these years I was walking around thinking that I'd done a bad job. And the lesson that I learned from that moment was just like, if you do your best, that's all you can do. And it's yeah. usually good, good enough. It's not always good enough, but don't feel too bad about what's left on the table. Just do the best you can possibly do and move on. Also, another thing to be successful is to have values. So what, like, what's one core value that has helped you get to where you are as well? Yeah, I think this term is, is pretty popular today, but so I don't know if I would have used this terminology back in the day, but the concept of paying it forward and being willing to meet with people who need help, who are looking for work, who are looking for mentorship. First of all, it's good for your soul. It's something that you feel really, really good about, which is super important in anything that you're doing. But even beyond that, beyond being good for your soul, it could also be just be good for whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So you may not think that this taking a half an hour sitting with this young new professional and giving him some of your advice is actually going to help you. I've seen more often than not, when I've been involved in those types of conversations and those types of discussions, they've actually ended up helping me more than anything else. So it's both good for the soul and it's actually good for business as well. There's a lot of misinformation about Israel on social media, college campuses, and the news. As someone who lives there, can you tell us something that Israel is doing that is often overlooked? I was a bit surprised because when I was my previous company, we were a 600-person company, and a lot of people knew, knew us in the States. We had sales office. We sold tens of millions of dollars in the U.S. And it seemed that every meeting I went to, people had heard of Israel. But now at Auto Lead Star, when they go into these car dealerships, it's not a very Jewish industry. The people have really never heard of Israel. And I'm always very, very shocked about it. And all they see is what they see on the news, on CNN or Fox News, whatever it is that they're watching. And I think people don't realize a couple of things. First of all, they don't realize that Israel 
is a really a tech innovation hub. I think the terminology has been branded really well over the last 10 years or so, but Startup Nation, there's 6,000 startup companies in Israel. I think it's one in every 1,500 people starts a company. You know, I always joke that if you live in the, you live in the U.S. and you work in an assembly line, this is obviously an old kind of parable, but and you have an idea for a new company, you, after hours, walk up to your manager and you said, I have an idea for a new product. If you're in Israel, you have a new idea of how to make a new product. You start working on the weekends and you raise some money from friends and family. You start a company. There's a real entrepreneurial spirit here in Israel for tech companies. And because of that, tons and tons of value has been created. And it's very, very forward thinking and modern. And the economy has moved forward because of it. So, so first and foremost, it's a real serious tech innovation hub that is doing great things for the Israeli economy as well as for the world economy. And the other thing is that I don't know exactly you know, what people see via the news and all that, but it's really a democratic country that has great values and great beliefs. And we obviously have challenges with being in a bad neighborhood, if you will, with all kinds of neighboring countries who don't like us very much. Although based on the news from the last 30 minutes, it looks like there's one more neighbor of ours who's now going to be a friend. There's just, you know, Peace was just declared with, with the UAE, but it's a very modern and democratic country with a lot of great values. And last but not least, amazing weather, incredible beaches. I just rewinding 30 years ago when I came to Israel for the first time, I had my whole life had thought of going to the French Riviera and seeing the great beaches. And after spending a year in Israel and being in the beaches in May and June, I traveled through uh, the Riviera in France and I was horrified to find that the beaches in France were no, not nearly as great as I'd hoped and the Israeli ones were much better. So great beaches and great weather here as well. So you mentioned that about one in 1,500 people start a company in Israel. So for someone who's very excited and like has a lot of drive, that sounds very promising. But how hard is it actually to do one of these startups and be successful at it? It's very hard. It's not for the average person. It's not for the faint of heart. You should not go into it because other people are going into it. To be an entrepreneur, I have never started a company and I probably won't. It's not my personality to start a company. It's not most people's personality. But there is something here about entrepreneurship and you know the, the chutzpah, that, that audacity to be able to start a company. And for a lot of people, you know, it's as opposed to you know, some of the more traditional paths in the U.S., to be a lawyer, an accountant, or a management consultant, or an investment banker, where it could take 10, 15, 20 years to make real money and get to the partner level. As an entrepreneur, things go much more quickly. But people shouldn't be won over by the bright lights about all these unicorns and these companies going public at crazy valuations because those numbers are few and far between. There are a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs out there that don't get that far. But at the end of the day, it's about what is your personality type. And if you are bold and audacious and a natural leader, then starting a company is probably for you. One more piece of advice for our listeners, and this happens to be our last question as well. So what advice would you give a young adult moving to Israel? So one piece of advice in general would be, not specifically for Israel, but I'll say it in general, then I'll jump into more Israel specific. One is that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you know, if you're 20, 25, starting to work, this is not a five or 10 year ordeal. This is something that's going to be for 40 to 60 years, depending on how how long you work and you need to pace yourself. So while you should be working hard and you should be ambitious and you should be trying to set your goals high and achieve them, you shouldn't be sprinting. You should be looking at it for the long haul. And in terms of Israel, I think what's really, really important, at least I've found over the years, and I think more important maybe than in maybe the US and a kind of a larger economy, is that networking is really, really important. 
because there are less traditional avenues of getting work. Obviously, if you're a software programmer and you have the right degrees and you have the right experience, you apply for a job, you can get a job. But very often, there's a lot that happens through networking. And you shouldn't be ashamed to use friends and relatives, fellow alumni and friends of friends to be able to get you into places. And then with those opportunities, it's up to you what you can do and turn those opportunities into something that you can actually galvanize behind. But I think networking, understanding what it means to get to people and try to create your own momentum and you create your own opportunities and be able to find jobs and be able to find opportunity that way is something that you really need to be aggressive about because that's the way that things happen over here in Israel. Great advice. And I hope our listeners take some of that advice. So thank you so much for sharing your story and wisdom for Career Up Now Socially Distanced Close-Up Podcast, Israel Edition. I look forward to keeping in touch and wish you the best for your future. You're very welcome.